NFL free agency is finally starting to wind down with the C- teams like the Seattle Seahawks looking like roses and the Patriots, teams like them, jury's still out. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 and Secret Weapon Consulting. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros, and we have a great show in store for you guys tonight. So we are going to talk about the Seahawks this offseason, as well as the Patriots, and kind of figure out how they are doing as well. Uh, we're going to talk about some trade can- some trade candidates and joining us. For the second time since this past summer, to cover all of these topics, we have Chris Hitu of Fans Only Sports Network and recently employed with the Worcester Red Sox. So, Chet, thanks for joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself to some of our new listeners? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Um, my name's Chris Hitu. Obviously, I go by Chet on Unapologetic with Chet and Duffy. That's my own sports podcast that you can catch Every Monday or Thursday, it's going to be Mondays primarily from now on, considering with the Worcester Red Sox, that'll be my off day. So that'll be the day where we'll collectively come together and be able to give you content. But I've done play-by-play commentary with Fans Only Sports. I do my podcast with them, occasionally write articles here and there. And just trying to take my leaps and bounds to you know get my feet wet in the sports media industry and doing a show just like you, Adam, and CJ do every week is definitely a big reason as to really getting your feet wet and just staying up to date with what's going on in the sports world. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, to really get your feet wet is fans only sports network is a great way to do that. Uh, myself and CJB having experience uh, with that, with that group. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to jump right into it and talk about the Seahawks and their meteoric rebuild process. Now, it was as early, it was as soon as literally this past offseason where the Seahawks, it looked like it, they were just entering the tunnel. That like their rebuild, it didn't there it's not just that there was a, any light at the end of the tunnel. It looked like they hadn't even entered it yet. And they had just traded their franchise their franchise quarterback. There were rumors swirling whether or not they would trade their star wide receiver in DK Metcalf. Their offensive line was in shambles. And they made the playoffs the very next year. And on top of that, they now have two first round picks. They and the first round the first round of last year's draft, they not only managed to address the left tackle position, they got the right tackle as well. Find yourself a draft where your team is able to find not only one, but two tackles. It's hard to find one nowadays, but when you find two of them, and on top of that, so this news is fresh because they brought in, they just brought back longtime linebacker Bobby Wagner for their team. They uh, also, this offseason, they signed safety Julian Love to add to the secondary. They really attacked the uh, interior defensive line need by bringing in defensive tackle Jaron Reed and also bringing in defensive end Draymond, uh, Draymond Jones. They brought in linebacker Devin Bush, uh, center Evan Brown for the interior of that offensive line, which was low-key a, a weakness on that team. Um, so all good things here. And like I said, Still two first-round picks, so they have number six and number 20. So top 20 picks here. Guys, I mean, we have been praising on this show this Seahawks team uh, 
for the past few months. But I mean, this it's just it's getting to a point where these two first round picks are just added on bonuses, which says a lot. Uh, Chet, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like wondering if I should take the lead or if you should take the lead since you No, are no, you're the guest. Take the lead. Take the lead. <laughs> All right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, definitely a good way to put it is going into the season, we saw the departure of Russell Wilson last year. Everybody was going nuts being like, well, that that that's all said and done. The Seahawks, they're dead to rights at this point. This team is basically understood. We have to rebuild. We have to reorganize after a very devastating year before with Russell Wilson at the helm, it was time to move on and really figure things out. But Lord and behold, Geno Smith steps up out of nowhere when they traded for Drew Locke in that trade with the Denver Broncos. And he has himself a career year. Geno Smith on the season with 4,282 passing yards and 30 touchdown passes, both career highs, I should say, and 69.8 percent passing completion that's also a career high right there throughout the full season finishing the regular season at 98 they make the postseason they do get blown out by the san francisco 49ers but this team was unbelievable it was a team that i didn't expect to do as well as they did the additions they made in the offseason addressing the offensive line and even the defensive line and even the linebacking core and very interesting to go ahead and get your veteran back bobby wagner after he decided to jump ship and go to la and decided hey well you know this place is actually not as good as i thought it would so at the end of the day it comes down to coaching and great front office work and i really have to hand it to Pete carroll that he took what he had and really put it into something just far beyond our expectation and then not only that the denver broncos had such a poor season that you get the sixth overall pick in the draft you couldn't ask for anything better. We were looking at it literally mid-season and being like, holy crap, the Seahawks have prime real estate for a top 10 draft pick. And then you still have 20th overall pick. That's not bad. You can still get some decent talent. You can get two great players out of this year's draft. You have some good, solid additions. You did dish out some big money for a few guys. But at the end of the day, the Seahawks are in a position to not really even just contend. I mean, they're, they've got a good position to contend once again in the NFC this year. Yeah. And uh, I, I also, quick, I messed it up. It's not pick number six. They have pick five, which is better. Even better. <laughs> yeah, even better. I, me- I messed that up for some reason. We've been talking about the Lions all week. Uh, all week. Um, and I mixed those two up because the the Lions are Lions Seahawks five and six, um, but you I mean you hit the nail right on the head with Geno Smith and Pete Carroll because you you trade away your franchise quarterback for the past decade and your backup had the exact same kind of year that Russell Wilson has been having year in year out thirty two touchdowns to nine interceptions that's just mind-blowing 4,000 yards like how do you how do you do that a career backup a guy who was starting games for the New York Jets the last time he was he was even seeing a football field I mean that stuff that stuff is just incredible and Mm. so to the front office I mean yeah you're you're absolutely right it does come down to um the front office and how they were and and coaching and how how professional um, a young, a young, um, an up and coming franchise like this Seahawks team has. Yeah. So, thing is, when you look at the Seahawks roster, 
I like what I see because you know, you got not just Geno Smith who just broke out. You have the second year man Kenneth Walker. You've got a great receiver duo with Metcalf and uh, Lockett. You've got Noah Fan as you have a three headed monster at tight end with uh, Noah Fant, Will Disley, and Colby Parkinson. Your O-line, you're constantly working on. Your pass rush could use a little bit of work, but I fully expect them to, uh, you know, address that in the draft, probably at pick five. And then and then in the defensive backfield, you get a late-round gem in Tariq Woolen, and you also sign Julian Adams, and you have uh, – or no, Julian Love. You also have Jamal Adams at safety too. And on top of that, player, huh? Julian yeah. Adams. You made a new player. Yeah, yeah. Go Adam on your Madden team, kids. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> then you, know, you got Bobby Wagner coming back. You got Devin Bush. Maybe he could do something. You got Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed to plug up that line. You know, I if when you take all that into consideration, then you look at the rest of their division, the Rams basically sold their soul for one ring. And now the bills come due. They're falling apart. The Cardinals have a guy that takes probably playing Madden football more seriously than he does actual football. And then there's the Niners whose QB situation is totally up in the air as Brock Purdy. Doesn't he need like Tommy John or something? Or does he have like a UCL tear? Yeah. This close to needing it. Yeah. Yeah. And Trey Lance, won't lie, was never a fan. Don't Didn't like what I saw from him. So if you're Seattle, you have to jump on this, especially in a very, very weak NFC. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you have some up-and-coming teams like the Lions and, you know, Philly's good, but they got gutted in free agency. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, if you're Seattle, the time is now. Because you got to remember, Geno Smith, you did give him an extension, but he's on the wrong side of 30. But in this day and age, it really doesn't matter for quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with everything that was just said there. Because, I mean, like you said, CJ, that was a great point about the West. Because the Seahawks, they probably look like they're the ones who are going to make it out of this fire that's really going on, this fallout. The Rams are talking about shopping Matt Stafford, who they traded for two years ago to win that ring, as you said. They sold their souls for it. We mm-hmm. saw it last year. The whole team collapsed. Some could argue – Sure, there was an injury bug, I guess. But at the end of the day, Jalen Ramsey doing gone good before now. it. Yeah, and then Jalen yeah. Jalen Ramsey gone. Kyler Murray, I don't even know what's going on in Arizona. There, Cliff Kingsbury flew off to what was it, Thailand? And now he's gone. He's gone from he's gone from North America. Like, and he's not even accepting coaching offers. Feels like at this point, nobody wants to coach the Arizona Cardinals. And then for the Niners. The Niners, that was the team I absolutely loved last year. That the Patriots, if the Patriots weren't going to be in the postseason, the Niners were my team that I wanted to see go. I love the Niners defense. I love what they have offensively. Going out and getting Christian McCaffrey to add to George Kittle and Debo Samuel. Give me that. That's all day. But it comes down to the most important position of all in an offense, the quarterback. And that was just a spinning plate scenario. Trey Lance gets hurt in the beginning of the year when he was the Dean starter. They bring in Jimmy G. He plays pretty solid, but then poof, same thing happens to him. He gets hurt too. Then it's down to the third man, Brock Purdy, and he was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And people are talking like, this is the next Tom Brady. This is the next scenario that we see of a guy stepping up to the helm and winning the whole thing for his team and tears something in his, in his elbow in the NFC conference championship game. And 
here we are. Seahawks, the time is now to step up to the plate and not only just take a run at your division, but the NFC itself, itself that has become so weak this past year. It really has. Yeah. Um, so before we move on to our next topic, I want to just address the their draft picks that they have here. Um, so we don't even have to name players. We could just go by position of need, uh, where uh, where they should go with these picks that they have. But you have you are the Seattle Seahawks. You have the numbers five and twenty picks, but you don't really have too many needs. So where do you go with the with the number five and twenty picks in the draft? Um, I mean, I mean, I, for me, I would probably like you said earlier, edge rush is definitely going to be something you have to address. Most NFL mock drafts right now have Tyree Wilson being drafted from Texas Tech. I feel like that would probably be a solid pick to go. He's the second best in his position in the draft. For the 20th pick, I mean, that's something that's really tough because that's where things get a little messy. It's always the mid-round picks where you never know if you're going to get the true talent out of it. But honestly, if I'm Seattle – I'm going defensively this draft. I feel like you have to address the defense more so than the offense because it's proven with the pieces they have there, it works. They've got the O-line pieces now where it seems like even if they move it around, it's still going to be rock solid for Smith, and he's a little mobile. He can do a little dancing around in the pocket, and Kenneth Walker and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and all those guys can get open downfield somehow, but it's the defense. That's always been an issue for, for Seattle ever since Russell Wilson was there. It's something they have to rebuild because when he started there, Russell Wilson, that was the best defense in football, you could argue, with Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Bobby Wagner to boost it. They want to ring with them. Now you got Bobby Wagner back, arguably going to be a future Hall of Famer at this point, but I think you need to add some more key pieces around him to really keep this team rock solid. So if I'm Seattle, I'll probably go inside linebacker and then probably an edge rusher with my picks. Yeah, I agree. I just want to go real quick. Yeah. I think first pick you have a number five edge rusher, but I would also argue maybe you draft another corner. Mm, because who do, you, who do you really have opposite of Woolen? And I would expect somebody like, uh, oh, I forget his name, the corner from Maryland. I want to say Deontay Banks. Is that his name? Mm. I think would be there. Or maybe like Cam Smith from South Carolina. Yeah, well, if you're at number five, you're going to get probably the best. If you are if you go corner, you're probably going to bet, get the best corner in the draft. Oh, yeah, or you and could flip-flop it, too. Yeah, you could go Christian Gonzalez. You could go Devin Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways you could go. And honestly, none of them are the wrong ones because they, they just have that luxury because they have so much talent. Um I like I I agree with both with both ideas. Definitely go for uh, go, definitely go for defense. Um, the biggest need on the offense is on the interior, and you don't yeah. go interior offensive line in the on day one of the draft. I want to toy with the idea just to just for argument's sake. I want to toy with the idea of going wide receiver because I I like their wide receiver core. It's good. DK Metcalf is a very good wide receiver. Tyler Lockett's a solid two. But what if you did what the Cincinnati Bengals did a few years ago? where they didn't need anything at wide receiver, but they took it anyways, mm. and it took them to the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, and I mean, Marquise Goodwin, who was their third wide receiver, did just get signed a few days ago by Cleveland, and that was kind of a key piece at times last season, except for my brother who played him in the postseason, and he got him a goose egg in the playoffs. So, I mean, other than that, Goodwin actually did have a pretty decent outing in Seattle. So, I mean, a third guy wouldn't be a problem for me, but I don't think you go first overall. I don't think so. I think you wait until later in the draft to address that Mm -hmm. depth. Yeah, so like if if this theoretically happens, this would mean that Tyler Lockett is pushed to the three, um, DK Metcalf is the two, and whoever they take, uh, uh, that Jackson kid, um, I don't I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. Oh, Jackson um, Smith and Jigba. And Jigba, yeah. You yeah, take somebody like that, and then like so it would be like the Cincinnati Bengals. So mm-hmm. T Higgins is a real wide receiver of one. But he's the two on that team, and T and um, Jesus, um, uh, Tyler Boyd, God, uh, name yes. name escaped me. He's a number two on a normal team. He's their three, and that is their strength among any facing any defense in the league. That it becomes pick your poison. If you're yeah. the Seahawks and you do something like that, then that not only makes G- uh, Geno Smith a lot better your offense almost becomes unstoppable. Mm. And the offensive line is better now for the Seahawks than it was for the Bengals that year. You'd be unstoppable. Mm. I'm just thinking because, you know, they don't have any real legitimate dire needs. So you might as well get, get the big shiny object in the, in the early in the first round. Right. It's it's just, I mean, I see the theory. It's just for me. If I'm Seattle, I'm just not taking the chance that early. I just feel like you know there's guaranteed talent already with the edge rushers in this year's draft. I think you just you you kind of sell for that more so than you do for the wideouts. I think that's something you just have to wait on. Yeah, and that's a perfectly rational argument. I'm just kind of toying with the idea. Yeah. I would I'm not sure if I would even actually do that, <laughs> but it's just we're all theorizing here. So if 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 you kind of went that direction, I could I could see the logic if they were to do that because I think most of the NFL world thought Cincinnati was taking Penny Sewell, and they shocked everyone and decided to go with the big shiny object in Jamar Chase, and it actually paid out paid off for them. And well, granted, Joe Burrow's lucky he didn't get his head knocked off that season because he was still the most sacked quarterback in football. Mm-hmm. But um, I digress. So we're gonna move on. And we're going to talk about different trade destinations for candidates who are were supposed to be traded this offseason, but haven't yet. And we're going to talk about whether or not they even will either. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins included. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast.
Welcome back to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power 88 Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, special guest Chris Hitu. All right, so free agency is kind of starting to wind down, but it's too early to really start talking about the draft legitimately. So where do we go? We talk about some trade candidates, some guys who were are supposed to be traded this offseason and most likely will, but they haven't yet. And it's likely to happen at some point in the coming days, coming weeks, maybe months. Who who the hell knows? But um, I'm going to lead off with the most likely uh, guy to get traded. In fact, not even likely it's going to happen. DeAndre Hopkins. Now, we can sit here and theorize where we think they're going to go all day long. Because they could, he could go somewhere where we're not, who we're not even talking about. I want to talk about the best fits for De, for DeAndre Hopkins. I've been looking around at teams. What do you guys think? I mean, for me, I guess if you look at a prime candidate for DeAndre Hopkins, you're talking about a place where you know that he's going to thrive, and I think a system that he would definitely thrive in. And it's not the Patriots. It's not the Patriots. I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens, if they can somehow figure out a way to keep Lamar Jackson under contract, it would that would be their bargaining chip. Of course, that comes into salary cap space and all that's and all those details. But for me, I think that would be a great fit for him because you're talking about a quarterback who is established and somebody that this team needs. So and you look at the receiving core, and I've said it a million times on my show, Rashad Bateman. And Devin Duvernay are not going to win you rings. I'm sorry. They are just not true number one guys. And sure, we haven't seen Rashad Bateman truly play in his prime because he's been injured basically more than I can remember. And Mark Andrews is the only guy that Lamar Jackson can check down to, and he's been injured the last two seasons. So for me, I think Baltimore would be a prime destination to see him land. The question is is if they'll follow through. Yeah, you know, I agree, and uh, let me tell you something. You may know our other co-host, Justin Tucker, is not here tonight, but let me tell you, you've probably made a friend right now by saying DeAndre Hopkins should go to Baltimore. Now, I believe it. Now, for me, I have a thought, and it's also not the Patriots. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow, Adam, really? Chat, I forgive you. Adam, not so much. Let's <laughs> hear not- it. So, have, what about the New York Giants? Mm. Mm-hmm. Now consider they have Darius Slayton back. You ink, you know, you got Saquon Barkley on the on the tag, and on top of that, you got Daniel Jones on a long term deal, which I view as a gross overpay. But that's neither here nor there. And how would you help your middling quarterback? With a really good head coach, you get him a true wide receiver one, and. DeAndre Hopkins probably is going to cost you a first-round pick, so there is no reason that the Giants shouldn't be blowing up the phone of the Arizona Cardinals because Daniel Jones is starting to come into his own. I mean, I think he's got a ways to go, but DeAndre Hopkins would help because right now his number one option is Darius Slayton, and that inspires very little confidence. And also you got to make sure that you don't run Saquon Barkley into the ground like you have in years past. Mm -hmm. So I I truly believe that Hopkins on the Giants should be like a slam dunk for them. Yeah, that would definitely be one of those places where it, it it just makes sense because they've been so, even at their best, they've just been so one dimensional with that run game. And 
we've we saw strides from Daniel Jones this year, but I think if you were to bring him in uh, and you know give him some targets, you could see a much more uh, well-rounded offense. But so given DeAndre Hopkins' age, he's thirty. So he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of on the older side. You're at, he's at the age where a lot of, where you're, you're taking it year by year. You don't know if you're going, if he's even going to be good this year. So that's true. You're looking, so you're looking to win now. So a place that I think I have a couple of them. It's any type of place, insert, the, <coughs> insert the, the destination that needs to win now. Mm-hmm. is looking for that one key veteran on offense to get over the hump. I introduce you to the Kansas City Chiefs. And now they have gotten over the hump. I mean, do they really need to win, though? Let's be honest. Also, there's no way, unless they cough up their first, that the Cardinals are going to trade to them. Yeah. But, but, but let's hear this. I want to hear this out. Listen, the Kansas City Chiefs need a wide receiver. And they clearly did not care too much for Juju Smith-Schuster. So they're still in the market for somebody. So who do you go for? You go for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And yes, the Cardinals probably would not be too inclined to, tr- to trade him there. But if they give him the right, tr- the right, um, if they give him the right package, then they're going to, they're going to accept that deal. Especially mm-hmm. since he's all the way over, like the, the Chiefs are in a completely different conference. Um, another team that I look at is the Buffalo Bills, kind of the same team, a, the same type of team, except they actually have not gotten over it. Mm-hmm. They are they are still uh, in football purgatory, if you will, where they're not they they're contending, but they are still trying to get past the Kansas City Chiefs, their little brother. They're trying to get past them. They need that extra little piece that will get them there. And I think a wide receiving core of Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and Gabriel Davis will help them do that. And by the way, they got rid of Ian, uh, 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 I, Jesus, McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie. I, Isaiah McKenzie. Jesus, I butchered that bad. <laughs> they got rid of Isaiah McKenzie. So you have, uh, you have three guys right there. You have Dawson Knox as your tight end. That's a, that's a wide receiver core that is really going to help them. And mm-hmm. I think so. I think any team, Baltimore Ravens is another one. Any team that needs to win now, that could use his help now, the Patriots cannot use his help now because they're not winning a Super Bowl in the next one to two years. I think it's kind of the same way with the Giants. I don't see them winning a Super Bowl in the next two years. He'll make them better like next year. Yeah. But they still have some improvements to make. That defense isn't great. That offensive line still needs work. It's just not. The Giants and Patriots aren't there yet, but the yeah. Chiefs and Bills, Ravens, they are, and they actually need DeAndre Hopkins. So that is my argument. Yeah, I think the team that could definitely afford to do it more so right now, I mean, the Chiefs could, theoretically, because technically they, based on the information that I've been keeping up with, they could make it work with the cap space despite the large amount of money that Mahomes' contract takes up in their cap room already. That could work for the Bills. That's tough for them right now because you haven't even paid Josh Allen an extension, and that's coming. That has I hope to they come. Did. They did. I could I be am wrong. Fairly certain they have. They might have. I could be dead wrong, but 
it's just with what the Bills have already. You got Stephon Diggs. You got Von Miller on that roster, and his contract's not cheap. And, I mean, you just have a lot to move around here. So, I mean, I do like – I think the Chiefs, without a doubt, I could see it just because, hey, we know whoever Patrick Mahomes has got, you've got a chance. As long as you have this quarterback on your team, you've got yourself a chance. The Bills – I think that's a team that if they're going to make that move, it's going to be a desperate one because they need something. They need something to get them through the postseason because time and time again, we've seen them enter the dance and exit either quickly or in heartbreaking fashion. So I definitely could see it with Kansas City. I think Baltimore would be an interesting spot, but I do agree. I like the Patriots being a spot, obviously, as a fan. But is it likely, especially with the way the front office operates in New England? Probably not. Then for New York, I mean, I like what I've seen out of Daniel Jones, but I I have preached about this. Why would you pay him a four-year deal worth $160 million? He does not deserve that after one good year, one amazing year. I'm sorry. That's yeah. just too much money. So for the Giants, I think it would be a good spot for him, but – Honestly, I mean, it's a weak conference, but that team, I just don't think, can win a Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah. All right. Here, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna muddle uh, muddle these two, these next two players together because they're both running backs and they're both kind of up there in age. Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry. Now they kind of both they kind of have slightly different play styles, mm-hmm. but one's about to be thirty. The other's about to be 29. And they're still playing at a high level. And I'm not sure if either is going to be traded. They've both been shopped. They've both requested. uh, One of them has requested a trade. Um, So it's up in the air whether or not this will happen. That's why I let off with Hopkins because it's a slam dunk. He's going to get traded. It's a matter of when. Um, But it's kind of so. uh, So it's kind of the for me, it's kind of the same way with these two. Um, as DeAndre Hopkins, except make it make them run, because you're taking whoever trades for them is looking for that last piece to get over the hump, mm-hmm. and this is where I believe uh, the Buffalo Bills match even better mm. um, for Hopkins uh, than Hopkins, because like Hopkins, like they already have a good wide receiving core, it would have just made it that much more unstoppable, but. To, they've also had a big issue with r- the running game. And also they are playing in cold Buffalo where the op- and when you're playing in cold weather, the offense is not going to be as high flying as it is in warmer weather games. So when you have a Derrick Henry who's running the ball when Josh Allen and company aren't able to throw like they usually are, that makes that just gives you such an advantage. And I think it's the same thing with Austin Eckler, except you can uh, Eckler is more two dimensional as a running back and a wide receiver. He can play both, so you can dump it off to him. I think the I think the um, I think the Buffalo Bills are a great spot for either of these guys. Yeah, I I do like that. I do like that. But for me, I think the team that I could see both of these guys potentially going to, and the team that has the most to give up for either one of these guys, is the Chicago Bears. I think the Bears are definitely a prime landing spot for either one of them because with Chicago, 
You got Justin Fields finally coming together in the few games that he, well, in the games he managed to play. Honestly, it's so funny because Duffy on my podcast at one point, it was actually the week before Justin Fields went to New England, played against the New England Patriots and stopped the Patriots. He was saying Justin Fields has to be without a doubt the worst quarterback in football right now. He's awful. It's just disgusting to watch him. Dude was throwing under 100 yards a game. Like, that's incredible. That's incredible to be doing that. But suddenly, out of nowhere, he's running all over the place. He's throwing the ball effectively in certain situations. He's actually being given more pass attempts. If you get a guy like Eckler in the backfield for him, that's a dude who had more reception, the most receptions by a running back in the league last year. One more catch than Christian McCaffrey. That's a great piece to have right there. And then even Derrick Henry coming to the team, a nice ground and pound style run that's going back to the days. Well, not even just that with Eckler. You got, a, you got the second coming of Matt Forte potentially in that regard. But for Derrick Henry, that's a nice ground and pound effective run game that you know what you're getting out of him. And he can even catch the ball, and make things work. But for the Bears, I think it would be huge for them, especially after losing David Montgomery to the Detroit Lions. Give it to him. Be like, all right, you want to take my mid-tier back? I'm going to go get a stud, a top five guy that I know is going to get me the yards and the touchdowns I need for my offense. Bears, this is a big time because the Packers are in complete disarray with Aaron Rodgers leaving. The Vikings, honestly, I don't think they're going to improve. They'll be good next year. But honestly, their only competition is the Vikings and the Lions. And I think the Lions are the ones that you really need to focus on this year. So if you want to contend in the North that's really starting to fall apart, get yourself a start back. Huh. Now – you literally took both of mine, so that's something. Uh, I don't know. Have we considered the Dolphins? That's not a bad one. Really? I actually, I never thought about that. They yeah. have the running back by committee, and I'm not a big fan of their running game. Mm. Now, we all know about Hill and Waddle, and we know that Tua can't be sitting back to throw every time because I'm pretty sure half his brain's been liquefied. <laughs> Now, but imagine if you had Austin Eckler, who you could just do these awesome screens to. Someone you could hit out of the backfield. Somebody who's small and can weasel their way b- between the tackles. That would just add yet another level to an already dangerous Miami offense. I mean, you thought Hill and Waddle were bad. And then, wait, you've got Austin Eckler coming right out of the backfield. So I'm not going to take up too much time. That's just a thought. It would, it would make that a scary offense a whole lot scarier. Mm. Yeah. So listen, I I like the Dolphins. That's a that's a good one that I actually didn't even think about because yep. that is a team that that's looking to. I mean, they're they like they're in win now mode. They're at the point where they need to start winning games because they have all the talent to do it. Listen, as for the Bears, real quick, I like the fit from a talent perspective. But you ever have you ever been in that one relationship where you're both in two po- different points in your lives, mm. and it just you just because of that it just doesn't work. the The Chicago Bears are at are at a point where they're still kind of in their rebuild mode. Their their best years are two to three years down the road, where I don't know if Derrick Henry or Austin Eckler will be able to play at a high level anymore. So at the point where they are contending. That'll probably be past Eckler or Henry's prime, especially given their workload. So I do, I do like the fit. I, I like, I like the idea, and I've seen it be float around in in uh, trade rumors. 
I just think it's not. It just it just feels like one team is re- still in their rebuild. This guy, uh, both of these guys are looking to win right now, um, which is why I I I respectfully disagree with the with uh, the Bears. Um, but we ready to talk some Patriots? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So we were going to go Judy and Sutton, but Sean Payton today came out and literally said, we're not trading those two as if it made any sense in the first place. Yeah. You talk about a team that's looking again, looking to win now. Actually, that's another place where Eckler should go. Yeah, that's definitely. Oh, that's the aren't to trade him to Denver. No. oh yeah, that's never happening. But the Titans. That's a possibility. I don't know if Henry's getting traded though. That's the thing. That's why I didn't mention him. If yeah. they know what's if they know what's good for them, the Titans, that team's they falling don't. apart. They better trade him while he's at while he's still at playing at a high level. Get something for him. Second or third round pick, something like that. All right. Well, next we are going to go on to T2's guest segment where he is going to grade the Patriots offseason. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast. This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, Chris Hitu. We welcome you to the guest segment of our show, sponsored by Secret Weapon Consulting. For business plans, secret shoppers, bar spotting, server and manager training, and so much more, visit www.secretweaponconsulting.com. So, Chris Hitu is going to give a grade. And a full analysis of the Patriots so far this offseason. Chet, what do you got? So, for the Patriots, this was an offseason that we were all extremely interested in as Patriots fans. Because after a season last year that had some ups, but a lot of downs to say the least, in a very competitive AFC East, it was time to look forward to the offseason and be like, what are the Patriots going to do to address the offense because at the end of the day if you look at the statistics the Patriots had a top five defense in football that's crazy that this team was on the cusp of making the postseason with one of the most mediocre Patriot offenses I've probably ever seen in my lifetime like I'll tell you I was rolling my eyes at some of the play calls but there were some shining pieces on that offense I mean Ramondre Stevenson Probably the the one that outshined everyone else, really stepping up out of the gate and putting in the work. But at the end of the day, there were some departures. Jacoby Myers heading to Las Vegas, and now Damian Harris heading to Buffalo. He might be their, one of their key starters next season. But for the Patriots, they made some additions that I actually kind of liked. And, I mean, starting off, when you take a look at what the Patriots were able to grab, they, have, they addressed the O-line a little bit. Getting a veteran, Riley Reef and a young tackle in Calvin Anderson. Both of these guys, they're not great, but what the Patriots need is some O-line help. 
And I think that's something that they'll address in the draft. So I think that was a good addition there. But something I liked is keeping Jonathan Jones. Because Jonathan Jones to a two-year deal was something that had to be done, especially with losing a lot of key corners in recent memory, with J.C. Jackson going to Los Angeles, Stephon Gilmore being shopped all over the place now. Now he's with Dallas. So keeping a key piece like Jonathan Jones in that secondary is something that's extremely helpful. Jabril Peppers coming back, getting re-signed. Jalen Mills, who they did release and brought back, I thought, okay. I mean, I wasn't crazy about Mills, but he's a young guy who still has time to learn on that defense, and he was definitely a key piece last year in terms of zone and man coverage. So I like what they did there, but I think for me, my favorite signing of them all was definitely what they brought in offensively, but it will be the last person I mentioned. James Robinson is the first. I didn't think this was a bad signing. A lot of people forget the first three games James Robinson had this past season before Travis Etienne came and took over the backfield. He was going off. He had over 100 yards his first game and a couple of touchdowns, and then it did continue. But by week three, it was clear as day that Travis Etienne was going to be the lead guy. And then they sent him to the Jets. There was a game last year, I remember, I had him starting in my fantasy lineup, and they gave him a healthy scratch. He was inactive for the game. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is James Robinson we're talking about. This was a guy that, when he was a rookie, was going off. I Bill does a good job at finding these young guys who were great in the past and still have that spark somewhere. So I think maturing that will be something big for this year. The second guy I like kind of like is Juju getting Juju Smith Schuster, I think was good. Sure. You let go of Jacoby Myers and some may argue that he was better, but Juju Smith Schuster has a resume. He nearly had a thousand yards last year. Sure. It was under Patrick Mahomes, but he's got some talent that he can provide. He's a guy that Mac Jones really needs downfield. But my favorite signing of them all, without a doubt, this is an A-plus in my opinion, is getting Mike Kosicki. I think Mike Kosicki really, really just boosts what we've seen from a Bill Belichick offense, which is a two-tight end set. From the days of Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, we brought in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And Jonu Smith, it's just like, why did we give him that contract at the end of the day, looking back on it? But at the end of the day, we did ship him off to Atlanta for a seventh-round pick, like, Okay, I guess we got something back and got rid of his ludicrous contract. But for me, Mike Kosicki has a proven track record that not only can he be a red zone threat, I feel like Hunter Henry is really going to take on that role. He's a vertical threat. This is a guy who can run like a wide receiver at the tight end position. Miami, he he's the reason why we lost some of those key games to the Dolphins. And at the end of the day, I would give the Patriots overall for an offseason grade as a solid B. I think a B is a solid grade for this team. I think they did some good. There are some things where you kind of scratch in your head. That's why I mentioned the O-linemen first because they're decent guys. But Riley Reefs in the other side of 30 years old. Calvin Anderson coming from Denver didn't start a lot last year, but he does have some promise being at 26 years old. He can provide some depth at least or maybe even start a game or two. But at the end of the day, I think the Patriots addressed some of the needs very proficiently. That defense will still be intact, probably be top 10 next year. The offense still has some work to do, but I like what they addressed here. That's why I give them this off. I don't mind that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, what I would say is they definitely still need more help at tackle. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, 
I have dug into Riley Reef in, in recent weeks. Um, but they'll definitely I like him as a depth piece. All that's the nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, if he is their starting right tackle this season, then I don't know if they will have the best offensive line. But That's a good if, point. but if they were to draft an off a guy at fourteen, and he start and what if there's a player who gets who gets hurt during the season, Reef steps in. Then I like that. I like it. Um, I just think, I just think they need they need some more help at offensive line. Mm-hmm. Also, wide receiver. I like Juju Smith Schuster. I've always praised Devonte Parker. I think he's a very underrated wide receiver. I like Kendrick Bourne. He was in in a defensive coordinator's doghouse this season. Mm, Oh, God, did that piss me off beyond belief. (laughs) But but we know what that guy is capable of. So the problem is they're all wide receiver twos. Mm -hmm. I think they need a one. And at that point, I think that's pretty good. So they 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 have they still have a couple of needs, um, but yeah, I think a B B minus around that area. I think that would be the the that would be a good, that's a that's a fair grade, especially with that tight end two tight end set. That's going to be really yeah. fun to watch. Oh yeah, because we were waiting for it to come with Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry, but Johnu Smith that fellow's useless, man. Yeah, he was never able yeah. to get the yardage during his days in Tennessee, and. He only he only got the money he did because the season prior he got eight touchdowns, and he was used a lot. But clearly, Hunter Henry's better for that use. Mm-hmm. And now we have Mike Jasicki, and another he's another player undervalued. Why is that? Because he only had just over three hundred yards this season. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. because he was playing behind Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, who took up like seventy five percent of the team's targets, rightfully yeah. so. But that like Mike Gesicki is like you have a, a perfectly good guy over here. So one man's trash is, a, is another man's treasure, and it is a beautiful piece of treasure that we are going to cherish this season. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I wanted to throw in that you could argue that our best move of the offseason was probably getting Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator. That's a good point, too. That That's something I forgot to mention. Yeah, and, you know, he could definitely bring back the two tight ends set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, especially since he was the offensive coordinator during that time, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, it was a big reason why that scheme was so successful. And I think Bill going out and getting kind of like reuniting with his old OC, I think that's very useful for this team, especially considering you know he was playing with Alabama, had working working with them these past few years. I think it was yeah. huge to kind of get those reps in at the college level. Yeah. I mean, it's it that is going to be great. I think that's 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 definitely going to help a lot. Just Bill O'Brien being back, um, not even because I like Bill O'Brien, just because we know he works here, and we know the other guy, Matt Patricia, did not because he's a defensive coordinator. Um, and I didn't even hate him as a defensive coordinator. Just no. he's an offensive guy. No. Um, all right. Well, um, we're up against the clock here. We do have to end the show, but. Do we have anything else before we end the show tonight? No. The only thing I have to say is thank you guys for having me on again. Definitely love, enjoy talking about pro football with y'all and definitely would love to come back on again sometime. 
Absolutely. It'd be great. Well, we have all summer, man, working with the Woo Sox. This That's is going to be awesome. I can't it's gonna, wait. Yeah, I can't wait for the summer. It's going to be a good a good baseball season. I, I'm just excited. Opening day very soon. All right. Well, Chris He2, everyone, thanks for joining the show. But that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Over and out.